going to start off with a little question, and I actually do want some answers. What is the hardest thing about Christianity for you? Personally, what is the hardest thing? Yeah. Repentance. Repentance. Okay. That's a good one. For me, it's just uh, obeying. Yeah. You know, um, that's really tough for me. That's really tough. <laughs> Abby? I think it's just loving God more than anything else in mm. this world or myself. Like, that it is truly the first love over everything. Mm. Easy to let that slide out of the right place. Oh yeah, um, Patrick. I say like applying what I know, and like it's easy for me to like build on my knowledge, but to consistently like still be learning, but also holding on to the things I learned in day one, and like building application-wise onto that, and doing those things consistently is yeah. Is hard. That's good. Yeah. To study deeply and not mm. just be satisfied with reading. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, there's a Casting Crown song called Love Them Like Jesus. And that's the hardest thing for me. I, mm. I, I, I have a hard time loving people like Jesus loves them. People yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. Just denying myself, putting hmm. others' needs first. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I just always want everybody to know that you're all saints of God. Saints of God. Think of yourself as saints of God. And look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a saint of God. Yes, I am. Yeah, oh, that's great, Miss Linda. Um, so, yeah, as y'all were talking about some of the challenges, I think, and you can disagree with me, that's fine, but do it later. Um, I think... <laughs> Underlying all of these things, I was thinking about what was really hard for me with Christianity and whether it was thinking about repentance and moving past sin, whether it was thinking about loving other people like Jesus, um, having deeper Bible study, you know, all of these concepts. I think underlying them, what makes it difficult to be a Christian is that we aren't patient. Either I'm not patient with other people, so I don't want to love them. I'm not patient with myself. So it's hard for me to repent because I'm not where I want to be yet as fast as I want to get there. I'm not patient with God, so I'm frustrated with Him. I want Him to give me all the answers now, or I want Him to give me all the things I've been praying for. Impatience can really mess us up uh, with our faith. And I was thinking about that a lot this week, and even just how that goes with every concept that I study out in the Bible. Um, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you just want to write that down, but says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And like, you know, whether you're a Christian or a Buddhist or, you know, what, you know, no matter what the religion is, a belief system is based on faith. So faith, the very thing that we say that, you know, we're Christians, we have faith. That whole faith is based on what we hope for and don't actually see. So Literally, our belief system is about what's not in front of us. So if you don't have patience, how are you ever going to make it? Because everything about our Christianity is about what we don't see yet. It's about being heirs to a promise of things that are to come. And, you know, we have a taste of what Jesus has given us. We do have forgiveness of our sins right now. We have the Spirit that helps us to deny ourselves. But we've only got a piece of what Jesus died for. Like, Jesus died for us to have eternity with God in His presence totally sin-free, and as long as we're on this earth, we're still going to have temptations from time to time. We're still going to have struggles, and it's really hard to be patient 
Uh, when we want all the answers now, when we want everything to go our way, and you know, for me and Anna Claire recently, it's been there are a lot of like big things that I'm excited about that I don't have yet, and some of them are answers that I'm hoping for that I don't know what the outcome is going to be. You know, we're something that I've been hoping for that I actually am finally getting is this new job that I just placed into. You know, I got placed in this department in December, and I didn't start doing the job until last week. Like, I finally actually got to do what the job description is last week. It is April. So that was really painful for, like, three months. I mean, I was helping the intern with a special project, and I was doing things that were beneficial, but I wasn't actually doing the job. I had to be trained. There was a lot of training, and it was really hard to be patient. I wanted to get into the systems. I wanted to have my access. You know, there are a few systems that accidentally gave me the full access, like when they first logged me in. And I called the lady. I was like, please take this away. Like, give me read only. I don't want to shut the line down at the plant because this job that I have, I mean, literally I could shut down the line where we don't build cars for hours and cost the company millions of dollars. So I didn't want to mess that up. Um, kind of important. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard being patient for four months while I was just like kind of dead weight in my department following people around and asking them questions. Um, it's been hard being patient as Anna Claire and I, you know, we shared probably a month or two ago that we're looking into adoption and we've been very serious about that. We've been praying about it a lot. I got a lot of advice and felt like that was something we wanted to move forward with. And then it was like every agency we talked to, even though like the laws of certain countries may say you could adopt at age 18 or age 21, all the agencies were like, yeah, you got to be 25 or there's like one agency but they only have like children with like very, very severe health conditions that we just didn't feel equipped to handle that yet. And so it's been really hard having this delayed answer on something that you know, we were like, man, we're so excited about this. Like God put this on our heart, but sometimes he puts things on our heart and we have to wait for it. And that, that is really difficult. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but that's really hard for me. Um, and then even waiting, my manager told me some really exciting ideas about his future like five-year plan for me. Some of the planes like, yeah, I really want to send you to this other country in two years, but like, I'll give you the answers at some point. I'm like, at some point, like, I don't have a day. And Anna Claire every day is like, are you going to ask him? Are you going to ask? Like, we need to find out. Are we going to go to this other country? And it's exciting, but like, sometimes we have to wait, and it is very painful. Um, but you know, when we became Christians, we were signing up for literally a lifetime of waiting. First uh, Corinthians thirteen nine says, "For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end." When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. And I love that, like, now we know in part. Like, there are a lot of things about the Bible that even if I study it out for a year, there are going to be some little gaps that, like, there's just not a verse that tells us the exact answer. Like, why does God allow certain struggles to happen? Why does God allow poverty? Why does he allow this? That You know, some things, it's like, we're just in a broken world, and I'm, I don't have the answer. Like, I can't know why certain things happened in my past or your past or why God has said yes or no to certain things we've been praying about. And, we have to be okay with a lifetime of knowing in part, and that's really, really hard. But 
you know, our, our faith in God isn't about having all of the answers right now. Our faith in God is about trusting that he has a plan. And, you know, it says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And <laughs> it can be tiring <laughs> to, <laughs> to not understand everything. But, you know, I mean, when we, when we do see the big picture, I can think of so many times in my life, and Anna Claire and I have been talking about this recently, but it's good to slow down and take inventory of, like, what has my life been like since I became a Christian? And when you look back, someone's like, there are things that you were praying for, like, right before you got baptized or you know before while you were studying the bible while you were just getting to know god that like five years later he answers the prayer and if we aren't slowing down to think about it it can be easy to feel like man god never gives me what i want right when i want it but when you look back it's like man he gave me it when i needed it like there are sometimes if i had all the answers i would have really freaked out like there are some scriptures that you know even after reading through the whole bible multiple times sometimes like a scriptural stand i'm like have i ever read this before like you know there there are things that stick out to you like wow this is a very scary passage or this is kind of intense like man if i read this like the first month i was a christian i might have given up because i would have gotten so scared i mean there, there are some really high callings in here and there are some things that are hard to chew on but god gives it to us in the right timing and sometimes even relationships i mean i there are so many things that you know God knows so much better than us. And when he says his ways are above our ways, like if I had my way every time, I would feel so bad for a lot of people because <laughs> they, they would have life really, you know, if I got every promotion or if I got every green light or what, you know, you can think of like, you always want everything to go your way, but then the world would be kind of miserable for a lot of other people. Like if I got everything I wanted all the time, I mean, everyone can't have their way. That's just not the way the world works. Um, but, you know, thinking about this and how hard it is to learn patience and how many times things don't go our way and our faith gets shaken, I was like, okay, what is the result of impatience? Because it's really easy to take sins like purity or drunkenness very seriously. Like, okay, you don't need to be impure. Like, you don't need to get drunk. Those are very black and white how many times, though, when someone is being impatient, do you tell them, like, you need to go study that out? I mean, I don't know if, honestly, like, I don't really know that I've ever had someone tell me, you need to go study out patience. Like, you are not being patient. Like, people are just like, it's okay, man. Like, God's going to give it to you when, you when you get it. And, like, they just, like, kind of try to make you feel better, but don't actually tell you, like, it's not okay to be so impatient. And impatience leads us to sin. Like, impatience is a sin, and it, and it screws us up. And I was thinking, like, okay, where biblically have I seen that? Recently, even just, like, going through the Old Testament, there are so many examples. And um, I was trying to think of one that was, like, very serious and blatant of impatience. And this, like, came to mind earlier this week. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, y'all can actually turn there because I'm going to be there for a little bit. I'm going to flip around, but you can you can post there. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain. Okay, when the people saw that Moses delayed. Okay, so when they were waiting, it had been a while. You know, context here, he was up on the mountain for like 40 days on Mount Sinai, okay? Moses is up there talking to God. He's getting the Ten Commandments. It's all these exciting things. Like, God is speaking to him and giving him the commands of like, here's how things are going to be with your people now that you guys are out of Egypt. 
But the people, you know, they're down there. They saw that Moses delayed in coming down the mountain. So they gathered around Aaron, the priest, and they said, Come, make us a God who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Then Aaron replied to them, Okay, well, take off the gold rings that are on your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. You know, he made a cow, okay? Then they said, Israel, this is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and then he made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink, then got up to revel. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once. For your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned away from the command I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, this is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. When God doesn't move as fast as you expect, how do you respond? You know, I mean, if he doesn't give you exactly what you want, exactly when you wanted it, what do you do? It, our first instinct is, okay, I'll figure out another option. Like, God, oh, man, I've been praying for God to do this in this relationship. I've been praying for God to give me this job. I've been praying for something to work out with this, you know, whatever it is. If it doesn't work out quick enough, we're like, oh, okay, well. Uh, you know, I'll find another option. Like, okay, oh, Moses still isn't back. It's been a month. Like, let's take all our gold rings and make a cow and bow down to it and say that this is the God that brought us. Like, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. It wasn't even there until five minutes ago. You know, you know, like this is, it seems so ridiculous and we can give the Israelites a tough time. But like, how would you feel if there was one person that like God had put in your life and said like, hey, this is, this is the guy who's going to get the answers for you. And then he goes up a mountain and you're waiting a month for him to come back. I, I mean, you know, honestly, like, think about that. What would you do? After a month, I mean, you might do the same thing. Like, okay, where's this guy? Like, where's this Moses? This Moses, he went up. He, we don't know where he is. We don't know what's going on. I think, you know, just kind of making it personal, like, impatience and a lack of resilience are kind of what we see here. Like, the people, they just were not resilient enough to sit and wait even though they knew that this guy was going to get the answers they said oh let's figure out our own answers let's let's make a way to worship because we don't want to wait until god tells us how we're supposed to worship i think you know art we hear a lot about like millennials right yeah everyone like oh classic millennial classic well usually we're wrong anyway because they're talking about no offense college students they're talking about you guys but they say millennial. Y'all aren't even millennials. That's Gen X, okay? Gen X is the people who, you know, the kids, they, they grew up with technology. They had an iPhone in their hand before they learned how to play tic-tac-toe or hopscotch. They don't even know what hopscotch is. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe y'all played that. But, you know, people put all this stuff on the Gen Xers, but it's like, honestly, when I look, it's like every generation that's alive, for the most part, has a really hard time with resilience and impatience. Like, we're just, I mean, you look at our country, you look at the world we live in, just, I mean, people just don't know how to sit and wait for things. And I was trying to think of a few examples. I mean, you know, my job is harder than I expected. 
I'm just going to quit. I'll, I'll go find a new, you know, I'm going to quit. I don't like the way my boss treats me. I'm going to quit. I'm just going to figure it out later. Or, okay, you know, I haven't found a godly man or woman. Well, I'll just go find someone who isn't a Christian, but eventually I know that God is good and he's going to help them to see the light. They're totally going to change because God is good. And so I'm, they're going to figure it out later. Or how about like, okay, this person I've been reaching out to, I've tried to talk to them about the Bible two or three times. They aren't listening. Oh, I'm going to stop trying to befriend them because they're never going to become a Christian. They just don't want to listen to what I have to say. Like, man, I mean, those are the kind of things, like, I've, I've heard people say that. So, like, oh, I was trying to reach out to my neighbors, but they just won't come to church, so I'm just going to wipe the dust off my feet and move on. It's like, man, I, I'm like, if people hadn't given me a chance, like, I, you know, my group of friends, when we started coming out to church, there were, like, eight of us. And the church was, what, like, 25 people back then? Thir- maybe 30, if that. It, it was small, and so all of a sudden there's this group of eight people who went to hooligans. You know, like, all the guys would sleep over in the girls' apartment, all the time, like, and they would call us and be like, are y'all coming to Pancake Breakfast? Oh, man, we all slept in the girls' room. We were still asleep. Like, we're not going to make it. We were just a mess, and we thought we were these great Christians. Like, we thought we had it all together. If they hadn't been patient, patient with us, like, it's hilarious, man. They asked a few of the guys to start studying the Bible. They're like, man, these guys, like, they really want to live it out. Like, Jacob, he's a lot of fun, but, like, he doesn't want to take this. Like, they didn't even ask me. I was like, man, can y'all, like, sit down and teach me about the Bible? I want to do this. Like, and I got baptized like a month and a half later. Like I, I, I was ready for it. I, I wanted answers, but I was all over the place. And if they hadn't been patient with me, you know, I look like Chris and Jared like sat down with me when I would come to a Bible study. And even though I really wanted to learn, I was just such a mess. I'm like, I would come and like bring like a giant bowl of ice cream and a sub. And I'm like, eat my sandwich. He's like, I turn to this script. And I'm like, oh, what, what scripture? Hold on. I'm like, eat my sandwich. Like if you were in a Bible study with that guy, would you be patient or would you be like, man, he's just not taking it seriously. I'm going to give it a break. And when he's ready to be serious, then I'll start getting with him again. And it's like, we are so, you know, we expect everyone to be at this level. I'm like, again, it's the taking inventory thing. Going back, where, where was I back then? Like, would I have been the kind of person that like, man, I love studying the Bible with this person. They just get it every week. They're so great. Like some of us maybe think now that like we were that person, but I'm like, you guys were probably not that person because sometimes now we're we're like probably the ones who keep is like, man, preaching to this person is so hard because they aren't getting it. It's like, you know, we can be that person, but like we aren't willing to show that patience to others. And I think if we don't learn how to be resilient, how to wait for God to give the right answers, but also how to be patient with others, we're not going to understand how to live out Christianity. It's, it's, I mean, patience is just at the crux of like everything about our faith. Um, I can't answer this for you guys, but I do want to challenge you. I mean, go home and think about like what areas have I not been patient? I can think of areas that I have not been patient today. I can think of areas that this weekend I haven't been very patient. So if I can do that that quickly, hopefully you can find something in like the last month um, but not to say like, man, I used to be impatient with whatever. Think about like what you're not being patient with right now, whether it's with God or with some kind of relationship. Um, I think another thing that kind of drives this is just thinking like, where am I not being content? Because usually contentment and patience go hand in hand. And, um, you don't have to turn there, but just again, write it down. Philippians four in ver- starting in verse 10 talks about this idea. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you've renewed your care for me. Because this is Paul talking to the Philippians. You've renewed your care for me. 
You are in fact concerned about me, but lack the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. In verse 13, in context, this is not a scripture like for the Olympic runner to tell him like, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now go out and get first place. You know, we use it. It's like the pump up scripture of like, man, I really want to like prove my boss that I'm smarter than him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He'll know how smart I am. You know, like it's like the pump up scripture, but like in context, this is Paul saying that like, hey, I went out and made all these disciples like, you know, I was a guy that, like, people didn't trust me at first when I became a Christian. They didn't want to have anything to do with me because I used to persecute the Jews. I've gone and started all these churches, and then when I go back, some of them are talking bad about me, and they don't trust me, but, like, I'm the one who showed them this faith in the first place. You know, he had invested in so many people who really didn't treat him that well, but he says, no matter what, he learned how to be content. I'm like, man, if... I do a lot of nice things for people and they don't have appreciation or like if I was like hungry and they're not taking care of me after I've got like whole churches everywhere that I'm like, man, I helped bring y'all into this faith and I taught you about Jesus and you aren't doing anything I taught you to like take care of me. Like now I'm struggling and you aren't doing anything. And yeah, Paul's like, I learned how to be content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And you know, the, the thing with that is like contentment allows us to be patient with people when they aren't treating us the way that we feel that we deserve to be treated or to be patient with situations when we aren't seeing God answer things as quick as we want him to. And his, you know, the, it's very clear in the Bible, God's timing is not the same as our timing. So if you're expecting everything to happen when you want it to happen, if you're expecting other people to treat you exactly the right way at exactly the right time, that's just, it's... <laughs> Not realistic. You're going to get tired of it. <laughs> um, uh, second, <laughs> lady. Second uh, Peter three says, "Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact: with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay." but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I show you the scripture kind of twofold. One, when it says with the Lord a day is like a thousand, ten, a thousand years and a thousand years like one day, it's obvious that God's timing is not the same as ours. So if you're expecting that, just throw that out the window. It's not, it's not going to be the way you expect. But and two, it's really interesting because it says the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. I think a lot of times I've like read this, like the Lord does not delay his promise. His promises are going to come. And you think about like all the promises of all the great things he's going to do. But I'm like, man, it says he doesn't delay his promise because he's patient with us and doesn't want us to perish, but to come to repentance. Like, man, this is probably talking about his promises of judgment like we serve a just god who punishes us for our sin but luckily for us with him a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years 
and he's patient with us. He doesn't fulfill every promise of judgment right away. I mean, you know, when we look at our lives, like we have really screwed up a lot of times. Before I was a Christian, I screwed up a lot. After I became a Christian, after I got married, the last few hours probably, I mean, we just, we live very imperfect lives. And it says God doesn't delay his promise, but he's patient. And that patience is supposed to help us to come to repentance. If we aren't like really dealing with our sin in God's patience and saying like, okay, he's being patient with me and that needs to teach me to be patient with others. That needs to teach me to be patient with situations. His patience is supposed to teach us something. Like we're supposed to become like God. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is patient. Like we serve a God who is love. He's very patient with us, but we have to learn from that. And I even think like how, if we don't learn how to be patient, how do we expect to really be followers of Jesus and live this out? Because if I don't learn how to be patient with others, I can't help them to come to repentance. You know, going back to what I was sharing, if you're reaching out to people and they aren't getting it right away, if you don't learn how to be resilient enough to be patient with them when they're really frustrating, when they aren't getting something right away, how can you help them to come to repentance? Like they're, they're not going to make it if you, if you aren't doing that. And they need us to be the hands and feet of God in their lives. And um, anyway, so going back to just God's patience, um, I think Exodus 32, um, if you all still have it open there, it's interesting to see what drives God to be patient. And I think that that helps us to remember why we need to be patient. Um, So God says here, back to Moses after he's telling him to go down the mountain, he says, Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your offspring all of this land that I've promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he had said he would bring on his people. And, you know, what What led God to relent here? It was Moses reminding him of the fact that they're his people and he made promises to them. And, you know, the fact that God said, like, I love these people. They are my people. You know, I, I did make some promises to them. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to bear with them. I'm not going to destroy them. Moses himself gets kind of annoyed. You know, he gets down the mountain. And he like breaks the Ten Commandments. <laughs> what are y'all doing? I'm gonna, I'm gonna grind up this gold calf. I'm gonna put it in the water. Y'all drink the water. Like, I mean, he he's kind of like fed up. You know, he gets a little angry, but he doesn't stop praying for his people. He doesn't stop, you know, fighting for their cause. And I think it's because Moses learned from God. You know, even when he gets frustrated, he sticks by his people. Even when they are doing completely the wrong things, he's still praying before God for them. I think that's something we have to learn is that, you know, just as God is patient with people because of his promises and his love, if we really serve that God, if we're really followers of that God, then we need to learn how to have that patience towards others because of 
God's love, because of his promise that he really wants to redeem the world. If you believe that he wants to redeem everyone, you know, the Bible says he wants all to come to repentance. That means that God literally cares about every person in your life, whether it's the coworker that you really just can't stand at all, whether it's your horrible neighbor who has a loud music playing or whoever it is, if we aren't learning how to be patient with those people and still love them, we're not going to be the ambassadors that God called us to become. Um, But just want to close out one last scripture here. Um, Just thinking about how we're supposed to treat others and learning from God's example of that. It's in Romans 2, starting in verse 2, it says, We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? You know, we can get really judgy. We can get really frustrated with people. But, you know, take a look in the mirror. All of us have issues, and God is being really patient with us, and it's because he wants us to repent. He's being kind to us because he wants us to make changes. And we're supposed to be learning from that. You know, we're supposed to see how hypocritical we are when we read the Bibles so that we can say, man, okay, I'm going to stop judging people. I'm going to stop getting so frustrated. I'm going to be patient and loving, and I'm going to show this kindness to others because I want to help them repent. And I really just wanted to leave y'all with that scripture today because I think it gives us a good calling. And go back over all these scriptures. I know I threw a lot out there. And if you want, I can send you my notes um, if you want to see these scriptures. But it's really important that we're learning from God's patience. And this stuff was really heavy on my heart this week because I feel like (laughs) Anna Claire and I both, we've talked about this. We are just not very patient in a lot of situations. And I think we're learning how to do that more and more. Uh, There are situations where I do feel like I've done it well, but there are a lot of areas where I feel like that's just something I still need to grow in, and I think a lot of us are in the same boat here.